0: Thanks for joining us at Warehouse Church. We would love for you to stay connected, and a great way for you to do that is to simply subscribe to this podcast. You can also stay connected throughout the week by checking out our website warehousechurch.com or by visiting our Facebook or Instagram pages. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Good morning, church. Listen, you had an extra hour of sleep last night. Good morning, church. Come on now. I want you to open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1. It's on page 1 if you have a hard time finding that, okay? Pretty much page 1. My wife was telling you about uh, these Christmas boxes for Samaritan's Purse. I want to give you a little story about that. Uh, if you would like to, be, to take part in this, grab one of these boxes and do your Christmas shopping with your kids. If you have children, let them be a part of this. Take them to to the store. You'll you'll get a little list inside each and every one of these boxes of uh, how to shop and fill up the shoe box. It's such a neat thing. Uh, When Kim and I were missionaries uh, in the Philippines, we were partnered with Samaritan's Purse, and uh, we had a Christmas one year of uh, of our first year partnership with them, and we had about six hundred kids that we had signed up to receive these. And uh, they told us, "Hey, the truck's coming on this date," and uh, we had all of our workers there ready. And when we opened up the container uh, of of these boxes, they came on two or three skids, and uh, we hand uh, hand on you know unloaded them by uh, by hand uh, into the church and, and gave them away. And man, I want to tell you the impact that these gifts had on our church and that community uh, with this great great ministry. So I would encourage you to be a part of that we are partnered with some missionaries that are that are going to be doing this and we'll get some follow-up videos after the first of the year and I know that and this will really make some of your Christmas shopping very intentional and why are we talking about Christmas the first week after Halloween it's it's how many of you love Christmas and it couldn't start early enough for you Okay, how many of you wish it would be like the week before Christmas, like me? There's three of us, okay. So the three Grinches won't, you know, won't rain on your parade. But a uh, great way to get involved with Christmas giving uh, as you think about your end of year giving, and I hope you'll be encouraged uh, to do that. The reason that we are using that um, v- seemingly very personal uh, intro to my message this morning is not to wake you up, although we should use that in the spring when we fall backwards, right, when we lose an hour's sleep, so we'll go forward or whatever it is. But we're starting this new series called Creed, and the idea, or it's not really going to be about Apollo Creed or or his son that the movie's about, but the idea of Creed is that uh, us understanding things that we believe and why we believe them and how we can defend them. There's a word that's used in um, theological teaching. I'm not going to get real deep into that this morning, But there's a word called apologetics, and apologetics is really what this is based on because it's how we defend what we believe in, Uh, thus the idea of the boxing and the fighters and so on and so forth. But I want to ask you a question this morning, and it's it's very, very personal. Uh, I want you to look inside your heart and inside your lives. Uh, Does your personal belief system impact the way that you live your daily life? Now, it should be yes. You know, it it should be yes. Yes. Uh, I, some of my personal belief system is my wife and I, Kim, have been married. Uh, in this next year in 2020 will be our 35th wedding anniversary. And I try to make decisions every day based on the personal belief system that I love my wife, I'm gonna be faithful to my wife, and I'm gonna try to win every single day. Now, I haven't won every single day, and I don't mean winning like me against her winning. I mean winning as far as doing the stuff I'm supposed to do and being the man I'm supposed to be. It's a daily, daily commitment that I have to renew my heart and spirit on every single day. And, but I want my personal belief system to impact. I wanna tell our church that I love my wife. I wanna tell you that, um, that I'm faithful to her. I wanna tell you how to be a strong married couple, but then there's a whole other thing that I've gotta do. I've gotta live it out. Now, you could say you believe what you believe, and I don't wanna get into politics this morning, but there was a statement made I think it was in 2011. I've direct, and this is a direct quote uh, from our former vice president, uh, Joe Biden. He's, we, we knew of him, actually met him one time uh, when Kelsey graduated high school. He had a niece or a nephew that attended. So I've actually had, not, not at that graduation, but I had the opportunity to meet him one time. But he said this one time uh, when he was in one of the debates or interviews or something. He made this statement. He said, I do not let my personal beliefs affect my politics. That's a direct quote. That's pretty scary. And this is not an anti-anything. That's just a statement that's made because I wonder how many times in our lives we say we believe what we believe, but our actions don't really back it up. We can't prove that Jesus Christ is real and the redemption story of him in our own lives and the changed life that we say that we have and, and, and the trust that we've built with him and the, and, and the fact that we put our entire eternity in his hands and we claim his, him as our personal savior, but does your daily whatever you do every single day back up what you say that you believe? It's not about politics, please believe me. It's about how you live your life every single day. So we're going we're gonna to try to uh, peel away some of these Uh, things together, and today we're going to go right all the way to the beginning of the Word of God. Um, There's a great story, I don't know if you've ever heard of the missions organization called New Tribes Missions. Uh, They have a a, a short, like a documentary-type movie called e It's I'll put it on my uh, Facebook today if you want to look at it, I'll put the link on there. It's really a a neat thing to watch. It's a little dated, it was probably made in the 70s, um, which is not that long ago, can somebody say amen to that, please, okay? So uh, these missionaries from New Tribes Missions went to uh, New Guinea, and there's a tribe called the Mauk tribe, uh, M-O-U-K, and they went there, and New Tribes is really good about, New Tribes Missions is a great organization. They're really good about taking the gospel uh, to um, people groups that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And They learn languages and dialects and they, they translate the Bible with Wycliffe Translators. They, they work with them. It's really a great missions organization. So anyway, uh, this new, these new tribes missionaries went to this town, learned the language, and over the course of three or four months, taught a class twice a day, once before work in the morning to all the adults in this tribe that would come to it, and then once after. Now, when I say work, I'm not talking about people getting in their car, driving downtown, punching a clock. I'm talking about agricultural, going out in the fields and and, and tilling the ground and taking care of your livestock. That's how they made their living. They lived off the land, and it was a very primitive tribe. So they went to take the gospel to this tribe, but first they had to learn the language, and once they learned the language, they had to learn their belief system so they could explain to them truths out of the word of God. And they started all the way in the beginning with Genesis chapter 1, and they tried to find some words that they would understand, like how do you believe that the world started. Everything was for them was based on the Son and some of their, their belief system. But it had nothing to do with God the Father, His Son Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, or any kind of understanding whatsoever on the Word of God. We're very fortunate in the United States. We sort of live in a Judeo-Christian ethical society. There's an understanding of who God is to some degree. You're familiar with the name of Jesus Christ, even if you don't know Him as your Savior today. There's terms in Christianity that we use that are pretty familiar in our culture today. Well, if you go into a culture that's never heard the name of God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, John 3, 16, or in the beginning God created, the there was absolutely zero understanding of anything of biblical value whatsoever. How do you tell these people, and I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way, but how would you tell those folks in that tribe, how they can have a relationship with god, and it 's a documentary and, and it unpacks this journey that these missionaries went on, and it shows them teaching and going through some of the different um, some of the different chronological li- uh, timeline of the Bible and they, they started with creation and they went all the way to the redemptive story of jesus Christ and It was such a neat thing to watch them learn about Jesus when they went through the whole Bible and that man sinned and and separated himself from a perfect God and all the different things that happened in the Old Testament. And then it talked about the need, the need for Jesus Christ. And these, these, these tribes people were watching these missionaries share the story on, they were using visuals, they were using the language as best as they could, they were using an interpreter. And when they got to the redemptive story of Jesus Christ, and they talked about how he Died on the cross to pay for everything that we did wrong. And he went into the ground and he and, and he was dead, right? For and he was dead for three days. And on the third day he rose again. These guys started taking their sticks, and these ladies started taking their sticks, and they started to use this phrase, eatau, e tao, tau And they were excited and they were dancing around and super duper pumped and they were going crazy like it was a big party. And that phrase e tau means it is very, very true. And on that day, these folks invited Jesus Christ, that whole tribe invited Jesus Christ to be their personal savior. I don't know if, you, if, 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 if many of us even know people that don't know what the word of God is, even at a basic primary belief, the Bible. I understand the Bible. We, If you've ever been to court, sometimes they do this, sometimes they don't. It depends on which state it is but they put your hand on the word of God and you say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me what, God. That's part of our belief system in our country that frankly is fading away. But if you were to talk to somebody about God and you had somebody you cared deeply about that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you you became very burdened for them and you prayed, Lord, open up a door, Open up a window. Please give me an opportunity to share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you started to do that, and they started to ask questions. Would you be prepared? 1 Peter 3.15 says that we ought to be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us with meekness and fear. Here's my question. Are you ready for that? You see, we accept this free gift of salvation, and we're super psyched about that, right? The moment that you get saved If you know Christ as Savior, you perhaps can remember that moment very, very well where you realized that you were a sinner and you realized that you had a need in your life and you invited Jesus into your life and you asked him to forgive you of your sins and you entered into an eternal relationship with God. Wonderful that we have him here every single day to depend on, casting all of our cares upon him because he cares for us. But we're going to be with him forever and ever and ever. John chapter 14 teaches us that, that Jesus is going to prepare a place for that. And, and, and these things are known. Like I'll, I'll talk about things in church. Even during our giving um, uh, series last month on being generous, if I say something that's familiar to you or, 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 or that you have a personal affinity towards or really strongly agree with, there'll even be people that'll say amen. Do you know what amen means, by the way? It means I agree. Or so be it, is really what it literally means. But if I say something in church that you agree with, you know, you could say amen. We don't have to be like a super-duper only white people church that don't talk in church. <laughs> we need some brothers up in this piece. It'll get this thing moving around a little bit. Can I get an amen? amen. Come on with that action, right? I'm not here just to talk to you. Well, this, is, this is about you and I going through this journey in God's word. So I'm gonna read for you this morning, Genesis chapter one, the whole thing. And I've been nervous about this all morning because reading's not my forte. But I want you to follow along on the screen with me as we read through Genesis chapter 1 together. You ready? Here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night and there was was evening and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. God made the vault that separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky and there was evening, evening. And there was morning the second day. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and, the, and he gathered waters that, that, he saw, that, that he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, if you underline things in your Bible, every time it says that God says or God speaks, that's very significant. You can underline that. And God said, and God said, verse 11, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds of trees and bearing fruit with seed in it according to all kinds. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and morning and it was the third day. God said, "Let, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years and let them be lights on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern their day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. He set them in the sky or in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and night and to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning and it was the fourth day. God said, let the water uh, team with living creatures and let birds fly, ablo- fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created great creatures of the sea and every living thing with uh, which the water teems and that moves about it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them and said, be-, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters of the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning. It was the fifth day. God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, plural there, in our likeness, so so, uh, that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and wild animals and over all the creatures that move among the ground. God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and, and, and said, be fruitful and increase in number, Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every living creature that moves on the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has the fruit and seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and the birds of the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground and everything that has breath of life in it, I give you every green plant for for food And it was so, and God saw all that he had made, and it was very good, and there was evening, and there was morning, and it was the sixth sixth day. So let's pray real quick. Father, we love you. Bless the reading of your word. This is how it all started out for us to understand how much we need you. It's extremely significant for us to understand, to comprehend, to apply to our lives, that everything that is in this world started with you. And God said, you existed before, you're gonna exist after, you're the everlasting God. We love you, we acknowledge you, teach us something today that'll draw us closer to you. We ask you this today in Jesus' name, and everybody in agreement said? Amen, Amen. very, very good. So here's, here's something that's, that's, that's significant about creationism or creation. Not everybody believes it, right? Not everybody believes that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There are different belief systems. I'm not gonna get into all that because you're familiar with many of those things that take away from the understanding that God was in the beginning, he existed for eternity before he made creation, and that God created the heavens and the earth. And I I was talking to somebody one day about this, Wasn't really a strong debate, but you could tell there was a little bit of disagreement in there. And the person said, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died on the cross. I believe that if I ask him for forgiveness of sins, he'll be my personal savior. I believe in eternal security, like all these really good things that we believe in out of the word of God. Then this person said to me, but I don't believe God created the heavens and the earth. That's what's interesting. Tell me why you don't believe that. It's just too There's just too much scientific proof that teaches us that uh, evolution, Big Bang, this, 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 and this. But does it really matter if I believe that or not if I believe in Jesus Christ? So I want to give you some things this morning that it is imperative for us to understand uh, about creation, okay? It's imperative for us, for you and I to believe and to understand about creation. Here's the first thing. Number one... God comes first. That's pretty significant. I mean, even in the redemption story of Jesus Christ is that God, in the beginning, God. God was, God is, and God always will be. And it's important for us to understand that because God is not the big guy in the sky, our homie that we pray to when you know things are going through a hard time or, or when we want to claim things or want stuff from God, right? God is God. He's sovereign. He's the almighty. He's the creator, It's extremely significant for us to believe that because it teaches us a belief system in the word of God itself. It's difficult for us to believe the redemptive story of Jesus Christ or look at the Bible as a buffet and say, well, I believe this. I don't really believe that because it seems a little bit too much, but this seems like I can really believe that. We either believe the Bible or we don't believe the Bible. And when it comes to the word of God, God comes first. Here's the second thing. God speaks. And his words, are, his words are strength, or there's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. God's word teaches us in Acts chapter four, neither is there salvation in any other, for there was no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. The word of God, Jesus Christ, God's son, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. God's word is what helps us understand God himself. But it's God's spoken word that brought everything that exists into existence. God said, that's significant. God said, let there be light. God said, let the water divide itself. God said, let there be birds in the sky, fish in the sea, mammals and animals upon dry uh, dry ground. God said, made all these things. And then he did something very special when it came to the creation of mankind. He didn't speak mankind into existence. God said he took some, the Bible teaches us he took dust out of the ground and formed man with his own hands, his own handiwork out of the dust of the ground, breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And what happened? Man became a living soul. He took, he took part of man out of his body and he created woman out of that, out of that rib, out of, uh, out of Adam's body, breathed into her nostrils the breath of life. She became a living soul. God created everything and at the end, of creation. God spoke again. He spoke. His words had power. And he said it was good. You know what that means? It was perfect. There was nothing wrong. It was flawless. Number three, God made everything. He made everything. God's word teaches us that in Genesis chapter one. And it's whether, it's not whether or not you believe it's true. It's whether or not you believe the word of God. Number four, there's one God and he made all things good. Number five, I'm going through these quickly because there's 42 points. Just kidding, there's only 10. There's just 10. Number five, God set a standard of perfection. God set a standard of perfection. That's very significant because the Bible teaches us that that God made all things good, and in the book of Romans it says, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death passes upon all men because all have sinned, Romans chapter six, for all have sinned and fallen short of what? God's perfection. We've fallen short of God's perfection. But God set a standard. And that standard seems a little bit too unattainable for all of us. And the reality is it's true. We can't be perfect. We try to be perfect, right? But in in our inability to be perfect, sometimes we use that inability to be perfect to excuse bad decisions that we make. When my wife, when we moved into our house three years ago, um, my wife always wanted to have cabinets to one up. She didn't like the gap above kitchen cabinets between the ceiling and the cabinet. She wanted her cabinets to go all the way up to the ceiling. I said, let it be done, right? You whatever you want, it's all good. You can have whatever you want. So she's got this cabinets to come up to the ceiling, but she made a very, very bad decision with cabinets up to the ceiling she can't reach things over the first shelf in the top cabinets above, our, uh, above, our ca- uh, above the countertop. She'll go up to the countertop, open the door that goes all the way to the ceiling, and she'll say, honey, I need you to get that. On. Well, honey, you're the one that ordered the big cabinets. You need to figure this out because, I, because this is what I told her, because you've fallen short of perfection. <laughs> not wise, not wise to say that. We all have standards we want to have in our lives. We see other people and we compare ourselves. Man, I wish I was more like, you know, I wish I was more like that guy. I wish I was more like that lady. I wish my family was a little bit more like them. I wish, you know, I was more like that. We look at God and we go, we can't even come close to that. So what winds up happening is we, we know that we can't be perfect. So we use that as kind of a fallback or an, or an excuse not to live the way that we should. And in Romans chapter six, the Apostle Paul says this what shall we say then? Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? Then he says this, God forbid, how can you and I that are dead to sin continue to take on, keep that same lifestyle? And then it talks about baptism, about how we're born into God's family and raised to the likeness of his resurrection. And the understanding is this, we can't be perfect, but we can't use that 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 human nature to fall back on to excuse sin. Well, I'm not perfect anyway, so is it a big deal if I do this? Well, I'm not going to be perfect anyway. Is it a big deal if I have this if I have this, you know, this area in my life where I'm, where I'm struggling? We're not going to be perfect, but we God knows that without him, without his perfect sacrifice, without his perfect gift, without his forgiveness, we can't have a relationship with him. Number 6, about creation. God is plural. He's complex. And he's above all creation. We could take weeks and weeks and weeks to study that verse where the Bible says, and let us make man in our own image. In Genesis chapter 1, introducing the pluralness of God God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who were all part of creation. John chapter 1 teaches us that. You say, what is this, a Bible lesson today? This is important, church, because we need to know what we believe. We need to know what we believe. You'll just come here on Sunday because the music's good and the preaching's adequate and the children's ministry's amazing and the fellowship is off the charts and the coffee's really good and we take great missions trips. And we got a great community. It's based on our belief system. We have to know and believe and understand what the word of God teaches. Number seven, human beings were created in God's image. We were made like God. Not to be God, that's where Satan messed up. He thought he could be equal with God. We can't be equal with God, but we're made like God in three parts, body, soul, and spirit, like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three distinct parts, one being, God made us in his image to be like him, even though we have fallen short of his perfection. Number eight, man has a stewardship responsibility over all of God's creation. I had a, uh, I, I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody that believes this way. I was talking to somebody about a few weeks ago about uh, being a vegetarian. And they were explaining, you know, their belief system. And it's all listen, you eat healthy, you do what you need to do. Take care of your body. You're a steward over your body. I, all that, 100% agree with. I'm just not gonna eat green stuff the rest of my life. I I, I need a little bit of protein in there to mix in with the other stuff because I can't eat sugar or anything else that tastes good. I gotta have some meat in my life, right? But God gave us creation. That doesn't mean we can take advantage of it. That doesn't mean we can be bad stewards of it. Uh, I saw something, there was one of those survival shows that, um, it's a really, really good one. I think it's on History Channel. It's about uh, these 10 guys and ladies that went up to like northern Canada and they had to survive off the land. I think it was called Alive, if I'm not mistaken. And they had to survive off the land and the person that was the last man standing would win half a million dollars but they were alone. Nobody else knew that they were there. And there was this one lady that just had an amazing amount of respect. And I don't know what her personal belief system was, but I was really moved because uh, she went out and she trapped some squirrels. And when she trapped the one squirrel, she said to the squirrel, who was dead, okay, kind of weird, but she was by herself, so it's okay. She said, thank you for giving your life for me today so that I can have food. I thought that was kind of cool because that wasn't like sport kill, That was like, I need to eat today, kill. You know what I'm saying? And I think there is, I think it's good stewardship for you and I as God's children to honor, right? To honor his creation, not worship his creation, but to honor his creation and how we consume it. But we have a stewardship responsibility over all creation. God gave his creation for us to manage. Number nine, the Sabbath is tied to God's seventh day of rest. Let me tell you something. God didn't need rest on the seventh day. God wasn't in heaven going, whew, man, that was a long week. (laughs) Hey, Son and Holy Spirit, how about some overtime, guys, right? He was giving us a model of how to live our lives because I know who needs the Sabbath. I need the Sabbath. I need a reset day in my life. And did you ever notice in your own life when you don't have a real Sabbath, like a principled day off, so that you can reset with your life, your family, your health. The Sabbath is a very, very biblical thing that the word of God, we need that. We think we're supermen and superwomen sometime. I can go, 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 go seven days a week. I'm good, I'm all good. God didn't make you to be perfect. God didn't make you to be able to do that. He made you. He knew that you needed rest and time to reflect and time to submit to him. The Sabbath is a biblical principle that's tied into God's seventh day of rest. And here's the last thing. The entire Bible, or what we would call supernatural revelation, God gave us the Bible through revelation. God gave us creation through revelation, natural revelation, supernatural revelation, and all of these things are a testimony to God's greatness. So what does all of that mean? Why does this matter? Right? We're not gonna go out to lunch today and try to get into a bait, debate with somebody about creationism. Long time ago, I remember when I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher whose name was Mr. Rudnick, and it was the first year that they introduced Darwinism into the curriculum in the public school. And I came home from school that day, and I told my mom, we were just talking, I said, and I was kind of a knucklehead kid, like I was, I, if, if I saw inconsistencies, I would like to bring them to the forte because uh, I got in trouble so much, I kind of needed a little smokescreen in my own life, right? So I said to my mom, uh, and I didn't like going to church in fourth grade. I'm just, just to be straight with you, I'd rather work with my dad on Sunday at that time. I didn't want to go to church with my mom. It was, for me, it was super boring. So I remember coming home from school one day And my mom said to me, like she would normally do, what'd you learn in school today? right? How many of you like hear stuff like that and it's like painful to you, like thinking about school growing up? So my mom said, what'd you learn in school today? And I said, I learned that everything you teach me in church is wrong. I got in trouble, obviously, right? You know, my mom, she wasn't Pentecostal, but she laid her hands on me and healed me that day. But... But she said, what are you talking about? Why did you say that? I said, well, Mr. Rudnick opened his book up and it says that evolution and this, this, and this and survival of the fittest and natural this and all. And I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm giving my mom verbatim all the-. And it was the first time I ever heard of it. Never heard of evolution, never heard of all those things. And my mom said to me, that's why we go to church and that's why you're going to a Christian school. And like the next day, my mom pulled me out of that school and put me in a Christian school. Like, dang, mom, come on now, you're killing me. But we think that those things are just like, yeah, you know, we respect. And 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 as Christians, sometimes we kind of take this because we live in such a, we live in a time in our country especially where, where there's so much division over so much stuff. And we like to say it's because of this person or this politics or this, this, and this. Listen, Satan's behind there going, it's all working. He's the one that's putting all this division in our country, not a president or a former president or a political party or whatever you want to believe in when it comes to that kind of stuff. God bless you. I can't wait for next November 2020, the day after the election, right, as much as you can. But I know this for sure. It matters what we believe because if, if we just believe what we, if we, oh, this book says this, so I'm gonna believe that. Oh, this book says there's gotta be a place we go back to for true unchanging, unadulterated, God-inspired, God-preserved truth. Because if we don't have truth, then it really is all about how we feel, then it really is all about how what other people teach us. Well, I choose to believe this, therefore this. Well, I choose to believe in this other religion, but if I'm good and if I, if I practice that religion the right way, all leads, all roads lead to God and to heaven anyway. The problem with that belief system is, as nice as it is, as politically correct as it may seem, if we don't look through and understand, learn, submit to, and that's a big word, church, submit to the word of God, then all the hurt feelings in the world aren't going to matter when we see God face to face. So three things, you ready? Why does this matter? Number one, God's word is our primary, exclusive authority for everything that we do in our lives, how we live life today. It's relevant. The way that I'm supposed to be a husband, the way that I'm supposed to be a dad, the way that I'm supposed to be a pastor, the way that I'm supposed to be a friend, the way that I'm supposed to conduct my business and culture and society today, the way that I'm supposed to take care of my resources, the way that I'm supposed to take care of my body, all of those things fall under the authority of God's word in my life that I have to submit to. Number two, it matters because it establishes creation by God and the story of the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3. Establishes our dependence on God. My wife, you guys, I've told the church this. A couple weeks ago, we were praying about a a diagnosis. Doctor told us that we kind of had a little bit of a scare that she could have cancer and whatever, and she's having surgery on Tuesday. And, uh, and then, of course, I had to steal all the attention myself and had to, you know, just upstage her a little bit. But it's funny because um, my wife is really the centerpiece of my family. You know, having four girls and, and grandkids, she's, she's like that rock that kind of keeps everything together. And she's going to be, she's, her surgery's on Tuesday, and she'll be in the hospital probably until Friday. The doctor told her that she's having two softball-sized tumors removed, and lady, 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 blah, 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 surgery stuff. Okay, so um, it's a pretty, it's serious surgery, but it's not like a life-ending surgery. But surgery is surgery; it's pretty serious. So she's going to be down for like four days, and it's kind of funny because she's superwoman for us, right? Takes care of me, takes care of my her, our kids, takes care of the grandkids. And when I was out for a couple days, it was no big deal. Need to find somebody to preach on Sunday. Kevin stepped up. Everything was taken care of, right? But now that Kim's going to be down for four days, we're like scrambling. Who's going to watch the grandkids? Who's going to take care of this? Who's going to take care of Christine and Katie and Kelsey and Emily? Okay, well, Katie's away in Guatemala, so she'll be fine. She's taken care of. And we're, you know, we're kind of all like, what are we going to do? How are we going to do Da-da-da-da-da, right? Because she's Superwoman. Da-da-da-da. And she's going down for a couple days. And I don't like that. I need that woman every single day, right, to take care of me. But I understand, there's no doubt. And I'm not even in trouble when I'm telling you that, guys, okay? I don't think I'm in trouble. But we we have people in our lives that are like those kind of people in our lives, right? That, man, we just, we need them desperately. I'm looking out and I see some people and I know who you need. How many of you need somebody desperately in your life today that's in your life? How many of you are thankful for that person? Tell them today, I'm so thankful for you in my life today. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, right? Well, God gives us those people to depend on, but here's the truth. God wants us even more so than that to depend on him. He wants us to depend on him. That's why this story matters because when, the, when, we, when we learn about stewardship and giving and so on and so forth, you hear a verse throughout the month, I'm sure I read it once or twice That God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God owns everything. God owns everything and he wants to trust us with what he allows us to manage and we do that through our giving because we trust him, right? Why is all that true? Because he made it. It's his. We belong to him. We don't belong to ourselves. This idea that's permeated today In our lives, in our culture, in our society, in our world, it's your life, do what you want to do. The Burger King mantra, have it your way. That's not God's way. God wants us to learn that there's something greater than us and it's him and he wants us to fully depend on him. Here's the last thing and we're done. Colossians chapter one, God's word teaches us this, that he is before all things. This is really cool. He is before all things, and because of him and his strength, all things consist or continue to live. He not only made everything; he sustains it. He's that energy source. It's not you know. Listen, I I understand the sun and hypothesis and I need vitamin D, and my plants need the sun to grow, and the water, all that just doesn't happen because these are all independent agents doing what there's... It happens because God sustains creation for us. And he sustains us. I'm thankful for the great care I got at Baylor Heart Hospital a couple weeks ago. But I'm not alive today, before then, or in the future because I have great doctoral care. I'm alive because God allows me to live another day, and when we understand this idea about creation, here's what it, here's, it's it's not the scientific stuff that you get, like, we all get caught up in, right? It's a belief in this very simple statement, the sovereignty of God. I need him. You need him, and the great thing is he wants us to trust us with eternity, right, with our souls. He wants us to be able to trust him where we're gonna live forever, glorified bodies and all that stuff, but he also wants you and me to trust him today. Do you believe in the sovereignty of God? Do you believe he made all this, he made you, he made everything that is, and he sustains you today? That's why it's important for us to know this. It's important for us to know who he is in our lives because it's not about making us smaller. (laughs) Like, you've been in church sometime where you hear something or hear a message or, or, or read something in a devotion book and you're like, oh, I just feel... And it kind of beats you up a little bit. I can't remember who it was a couple weeks ago. Somebody said, Pastor, you were stepping on my toes today. That's old school for you were beating me up spiritually, right? Sometimes we can feel that way. Do you ever sit in church and you feel like the message is coming right at you? And you're like, you should not know that, you know? I get that. But God wants us to understand that about ourselves. Not to make us feel bad, but to increase our dependence on Him. Man, I need the Lord so much. I'm so glad that I'm saved. I'm so glad that my girls are saved, my son in laws are saved. I'm so glad the people I love so much, you and my life, that that are saved, and we're going to be in heaven forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. That rocks. But I know this, I need the Lord today, today. His sovereignty, his presence, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. Do you believe in him today? Let's pray. This morning, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that we could study it, understand how significant, understand how uh, relevant it is in our lives today. And I know that the, the origin of man and creationism and all that sometimes we kind of get lost in the scientific conversation or a debating conversation Lord what it comes down to it's not what I believe in that what other people believe and how we need to argue through that it's, it's, it's deep inside of our hearts whether or not we believe that you are you exist you created you sustained you forgave you provided everything in our lives Lord Physical need, emotional need, spiritual need can be met when we have total understanding that we need to be dependent on you. So, thank you for what we can learn through creation on how much we need you today. Now, I'm just going to ask you real quick with your heads bowed and eyes closed how many of you would say this morning, Hey, Ed, uh, I, I really don't know if I have a relationship with God. And I would like you to, if you wouldn't mind, and nobody else is looking, so you won't be embarrassed. Would you pray for me this morning? I just don't know that I'm saved and have that relationship with God. I know that God exists, but I don't know if I have that personal relationship with God that you've been describing this morning. And with nobody else looking around, would you just acknowledge that this morning and say, Ed, that's me, pray for me, and just shoot your hand up real quick across the room. Anybody like that this morning? How many of you would say, hey, Ed, this morning, I know that I need to increase, increase my dependence and my understanding of God's sovereignty in my life. I know that this is important for me to understand. If that's true about you, lift your hand up with me this morning. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the unchanging truth, not opinion, not cool moral stories, but the unchanging truth of the word of God. Help us to know it. Help us to apply it. Help us to live it every single day. We ask you this in Jesus' name, and everybody said with me together. Amen. Well, we're super, super glad you're here. Uh, we're going to ask the Lord's blessing on our giving this morning. Um, there's many ways you can give as our ushers come. Uh, you can give through uh, an offering bucket that comes by you. Don't feel bad if you don't drop anything in there. Not everybody does. You can give online. You can give through text giving. Um, however, it works for you personally. It's a very personal thing. But we honor that. If this is your church, if you love your church, and if you love the Lord's work, this is something very personal to you. Uh, before I came in this morning, um, I do it different ways sometimes. I, I don't know why. I, 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 I do it consistently. But this morning, I was sometimes I'll text message uh, my giving just because I like to get that cool text message back and to see how quick it is. But today I did online giving in my office this morning. I went online and I gave uh, to, to the work here at, at Warehouse Church. And I was glad and I was pumped. I was like, cool, this is done before church today. I'm doing church before church even starts, right? now I had a little time with the Lord this morning. I just thanked him. Lord, thank you for what you've done in my life, the way that you provide for my family. Lord, take this little bit that I'm giving back, my tithe, my offerings on top of that. Use it, bless it to meet the needs of the church. And I'm done praying now because I got to go preach now. So that's what I said to the Lord right before I walked in church today. But I hope that's something that's regular in your life and you could speak of God's incredible blessing and provision in your life because of that. So I'm going to pray for our giving this morning. Then I'm going to ask my daughter, Christina, to come on up. She's going to share some closing announcements with you today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Lord, take it. Multiply these gifts, Lord. Help us to be obedient and faithful. A lot of folks made commitments, Lord, to either start giving or to start tithing and even to start praying about what they can do for the church and for your work, uh, for their end of your giving, Lord. Lord, you know the needs, and we're very, we, we talk about the needs, we're very transparent with the needs of the church, and we want to be good stewards of all that, Lord, but I pray that you'll just do things that are even beyond our understanding and comprehension, Father. And when we see those things happen, we'll do nothing but give you honor, give you glory, and give you praise for who you are in our lives, Lord. You give us so many things every single day, but nothing greater than your wonderful son, Jesus, Who paid for everything that we did wrong so that we could be right with you? Thank you for your unspeakable gift of Jesus this morning. We ask you this in his name. Amen. Christina, share with us.